You know, there's sometimes things that we think we know, but we don't know. Heard about this guy that took skydiving lessons, went to all the classes, passed all the tests. He's ready for his first jump. He jumps out of the plane, he waits a few seconds, then he pulls the ripcord, nothing happens. So he pulled the ripcord again, nothing. And then he remembered he had a backup parachute, he pulls the ripcord on that one, nothing happens. All of a sudden he looks up and there's a guy coming up from the earth towards him. And as the guy passes, he says, hey, do you know anything about parachutes? The guy says, no, do you know anything about gas stoves? (laughs) You know, sometimes we just don't know what we don't know, right? But today I I hope that you're going to learn some things that maybe you didn't know. If you do know these things, then it'll be reviewed. But if you didn't know these things, then it's going to be very important that you come to understand. And these things are about Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn some things about Jesus that many people don't know. You know, that's part of why we have the Bible. Because there were things that people didn't know. There were myths and there were tales about Jesus. And those that were closest to Him and their companions wrote the New Testament part of the Bible to explain who Jesus was and to help us get to know Him better. There are four books in the beginning of the New Testament. They're called Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those books help us get to know who Jesus is. Um, And today we're going to look at one of those books. We're going to look in the book of Matthew. And the question that I want to raise today as we get started is who is this man that was called Jesus from Nazareth? You know, the information that we're going to give today is available, but not everybody knows it. And it's information that people need to have, that they need to know about Jesus. It literally is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. And Jesus is not just a myth. He's he's not just a legend. He's not just some storybook character. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And He came to earth to help us restore and find a right relationship with God. That's why everybody needs to know Jesus. Now, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 21 today at an account of what happened in the life of Jesus. This is toward the end of Jesus' life. In fact, it's the last week of his life. And Matthew is going to show us some things. Of course, Matthew is one of his apostles. He was a tax collector, which was unusual because Jesus was Jewish. And the Jews didn't like tax collectors because they worked for the Romans. But Jesus found Matthew to be faithful and made him one of his apostles. And Matthew shows us that Jesus fulfills a lot of prophecy about him that was in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Now, some might say, well, what does that matter to us? We're not Jewish. Why does it matter? It's because Jesus is for everybody. He came from the Jews who were God's people, but he came for the whole world. And Jesus is for each of us to know. 
Now, in this story that we pick up today, Jesus is headed from Bethany, which is about two miles from Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, and he's headed there for one of the feasts that they have. The Jews had three main feasts. They were week-long events, and this was the Passover feast that they were headed to. He probably stayed in Bethany at the house of Lazarus, Uh, who had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And he got up the next day, and we know it was the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And he's headed to Jerusalem to begin the festival of, uh, of Passover, and all the events would go on that week. Let's pick up here. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but I'll just tell you a little bit about what's going on in Matthew 21. They crossed over the Mount of Olives, and then after they passed the Mount of Olives, Jesus said, listen, I want you, two of you guys to go to the next village, and there you're going to find a, a donkey and her colt, and I want you to bring those to me. And if anybody says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs these and they will let you have them. So Jesus had apparently worked all this out with somebody or laid it on their heart somehow to do that. And then Jesus, or or Matthew tells us that this took place to fulfill what was written by the prophet. And here in verse 5 it says, Say to daughter Zion, which Zion is the mountain on which... Jerusalem was located. This is a reference to the people of God. See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so the disciples went and got this donkey, brought it to Jesus. They put clothes on it, and Jesus set up on it, and he rode into Jerusalem the beginning of this week of Passover. The text tells us there was a large crowd there. There were a lot of people in Jerusalem for this festival. They thought they knew who Jesus was. In fact, they cried out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, it says the whole place was stirred up. And if you look in the text there in verse 10, it says, Who is this? Thus the title of my sermon today. Who is this? And the crowd answered, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. So we see the people have some kind of idea of who Jesus is. Now, there are some important details in this passage that helps us really know who this Jesus is. You know, Matthew reveals who Jesus is. That's why he's writing. Uh, We believe that Matthew was written primarily with a Jewish audience in mind because he quotes so much Old Testament and he doesn't explain some of their rituals and things. But but, um, it's, it's there for everybody because it's part of our Bible. And it helps us come to understand who Jesus is really is. Uh, Matthew's purpose was to get them and us to really understand some things about Jesus. You know, in that day, they believed he was an important figure. They just didn't know how important he is. I want to work through this passage, but we're going to work through it backwards today. We're going to begin here at verse 10. Now look at what he says in verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, 
Say it with me. Who is this? They were looking at Jesus. Who is this Jesus guy? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The first thing I want you to see that Matthew shares is that Jesus is the prophet. I mean, they said, Who is this? They weren't, they weren't asking what's his name. They knew his name. They knew he was from Nazareth. What they were asking is, why is he so popular? Why is everybody making such a fuss that this guy is coming into Jerusalem? Well, I'll tell you why they're making a fuss. It's because he had become so popular. He had done a lot of miracles. He had preached and teached. In fact, they said he preaches like nobody we ever heard before. Not like our teachers of the law do. They knew that he was somebody. And for them to think that he's a prophet, well, that's an important thing. Because back in Jesus' day, uh, God had these men that were designated as prophets. Now, there were some false prophets out there. But God called the prophets personally. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, you have the last 17 books are called prophets. You have uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Daniel. And then you have uh, 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 Jeremiah wrote two of those books, uh, Ecclesiastes also. But then you have 12 more minor prophets all the way through the book of Malachi. And all these men were designated as prophets. They spoke from God as, as God gave them information. The thing about prophets is that the test for them is if what they said didn't come true. Now, sometimes it might be a while before it comes true, but until it, it proves itself false, then you had to respect them as prophets. Now, these prophets, they often spoke harsh to the people. They called people out on their sin, especially Isaiah and Jeremiah. You know, Isaiah was so unpopular in his day, history tells us they sawed him in two, put him to death. And Jeremiah, we can read in his writing that they got so mad at him for calling them out for their sin that they beat him, they put him in stocks and left him there for a couple of days. They threw him in a cistern that he couldn't climb out of. That's how much their preaching got to the people. But you know what? After they died, their words came true because they prophesied that 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 Israel was going to be overrun, taken into slavery. And it happened. And that's how they got their books in the Bible. Because the Hebrew people then respected them because their message from God came true. So there's all kinds of prophets. In fact, there are prophets that you might not even realize that the Bible speaks of as prophets. Um, they were the preachers and the messengers to the people. Did you know Moses was called a prophet? And his brother Aaron was called a prophet? Or what about Noah? Did you realize that the Bible says that Noah was a prophet in his day? He spoke for God. How about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? They are referred to sometimes as the prophets of old. In the New Testament, John the Baptist was called a prophet. And of course, we just read Jesus was called a prophet. But there was a special prophet. You know, there's sometimes things that we just don't know. I heard about this woman that she got a phone call early one Saturday morning. She answered the phone wondering who would call at this time on Saturday morning. It wasn't even daylight out yet. 
And the voice on the other phone said, Who is this? She thought it was her son playing a practical joke on her early in the morning. And so she said, This is your mother. What do you want? And the voice said, This is Sally from church. I've been up all night with a sore throat. Would you pray for me? You know, what a shock. She thought she knew, but she didn't know. And sometimes we think we know things. And sometimes we get those things wrong. But this you need to know. Jesus is a prophet, but he's not just a prophet. If you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 18, here beginning at verse 15, Moses tells the people, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you ask of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we will die. Moses says, The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. You see, God had promised the Israelites he was going to raise up this special prophet that would have some words for them. And you might not know that about Jesus, that he was that prophet. He fulfilled that prophecy, and there are over 300 prophecies in the Bible about this one that God was going to send that came true in Jesus Christ. He is this special prophet for God's faithful people. Some of the folks there that day, they thought maybe, maybe this is the guy. Maybe he's the one. He's the one that God had promised us that he was going to send, and we need to pay attention to him. He is God's prophet. In John chapter 1, when Jesus called his early disciples, those first handful that followed him, one of them was Philip. And it says in John 1, 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Jesus is the one. He is that prophet that they found. But that's not all Jesus is. Let's move on. Let's step back now to verse 9. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, everybody say it, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So that is Jesus that they're, they're shouting this thing to. And what I want you to see is that Jesus is Savior. You know what the word Hosanna means? It means save us. It had become a, a term of endearment that the people used. It was really uh, comes from a prayer in the psalm, Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. It says, uh, Lord, save us. That's that word, Hosanna. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that was one of those messianic prophecies that they were looking forward to, this one that was going to come to save God's people. 
By Jesus' day, it had become a shout of praise. You know, they shouted, Hosanna, whenever they were together for these great assemblies. And when they saw Jesus, and they knew that he was this special guy, maybe they didn't realize he was that the prophet, but that he was a prophet, they thought maybe he might be the guy. And so they began to shout, Hosanna, save us! Because the people in Jerusalem thought they needed saving from the Romans. I want you to understand, it was hard in those days. You know, they were downtrodden, they were oppressed by the Romans, they were overtaxed by the Romans. The Roman leaders didn't care about them. All they wanted was the money from them. They also had to deal with famines in that day and all kinds of problems. And, and, and the Jewish people, God's people, were downtrodden. But they were expecting. They always hoped. You know the difference between them and us? We look back and see that the Messiah, that, that this, this Savior has come. But, but, but they look forward to the coming of the Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. That's why they were yelling, Hosanna. They thought maybe, just maybe, He's going to be the guy. William Barclay tells us that at the Passover time, which is when this story takes place, that there would be sometimes as many as two and a half million people that would flood in and around that city. It was jam-packed. I think there was normally about 60,000 that lived in Jerusalem, but at Passover, you know, if you were a Jewish male and you lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem, you were required to come and celebrate the Passover feast. Now, what is the Passover feast? It commemorates, it commemorates the coming out of Egypt of God's people when they were in slavery there. Uh, God sent plagues on Egypt. He sent Moses to bring these plagues and to try to persuade Pharaoh to let the people go from slavery and to leave. And God was going to lead them to the promised land. Uh, Moses brought nine plagues and, God, and, and Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. And finally, the tenth plague, and Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, Listen, this is what's going to happen. Your firstborn in every family is going to die. God's going to send his angel of death, and your firstborn of all your livestock are going to die. And so he goes, and Pharaoh won't let him go. And that night, God told Moses, Tell the people, sacrifice a lamb. Make bread without leaven because you're going to have to leave here early in the morning. You don't have time for the yeast to rise. That's why we celebrate this supper because they were to take the blood of the lamb with hyssop, uh, a branch of hyssop, and they were to spread it on the door frames because every Jewish household that had that blood on the door frame, the angel was going to pass over that house and not kill their firstborn. So when they all woke up in the morning... All the people of Egypt, all their firstborns were dead. But all those households that put that blood on their doorframe, their firstborn was still alive. And thus the Passover feast was born. You think about it. Jesus was the Passover lamb once for all. They had to celebrate this every year. But when Jesus came along, he became the one sacrifice. John the Baptist looked at Jesus once and he said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And this is Jesus. 
And Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. He came to give his life to be that sacrificial lamb to pay the penalty for all of our sin so that through our faith in him, we might be forgiven. You know, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus' death, 50 days later, Peter preached his first sermon. And the people there believed that Jesus was that sacrificial lamb. And, and they said to Peter, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's God's Spirit. See, that's God restoring a relationship with you. Because in our sin, we are alienated from God. Jesus came to be our Savior. He came to be the sacrifice that died in our place so we could restore our relationship with God and live eternally with Him. Now let's move back couple more verses back to the beginning of this chapter and let's deal with this whole thing about the donkey because unless you know scripture that really doesn't make sense and so in verse 4 it says this took place that is that bringing of that donkey to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet we have another prophecy here and here's what it says say to daughter Zion see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He really didn't ride on both of them at the same time, y'all. He was just on, on the colt. And that's a quote right out of Zechariah 9, 9. And, and Jesus came in, pay attention to this word, king, because that's who Jesus was. And what I want you to see is that Jesus is their Messiah. There are over 300 prophecies, as I said, that Jesus fulfilled in his life, in his birth, and his coming and living, and his death and his resurrection about Jesus. And they pointed to who Jesus, who the Messiah would be, where he would be from, what he would do, even said that he would suffer and die. And Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. Now this word Messiah that we're talking about here, Jesus is the Messiah. That word is a Hebrew word. It means anointed one or king. Thus, the word king. Jesus came as their king. In the Greek language, it's the word Christos. It means the same thing as Messiah, anointed one, king. And he was the one anointed by God. He's the one that fulfilled all those prophecies. He's the one that the Jewish people looked for, that he was going to be the prophet, he was going to be the savior, he was going to be the king. Not an earthly king, though. A spiritual king. For all people, for all time, Jesus is the king. It's a reference to the one that God would send. Now, there are two things that we need to take note of. This riding in on the donkey is not by accident. First of all, it was prophesied in the scripture about the Messiah... But secondly, when a king came to town, if he was riding on a stallion, he was bent on conquest and war. But if a king came to your town and he was riding on a donkey, he was coming back after the war in victory. And he was coming to town in peace. 
And Jesus is riding in as their king on this donkey saying, Hey guys, the victory has been won. I'm coming to you in peace. And that was a sign for the people. And it fulfilled the prophecy from Zechariah. Now, the fact is, Jesus knew that he was going to the cross later that week. And you say, how can he be thinking victory when he's going to a cross? You know why? Because the real victory is going to be won in his resurrection. And you know what's got to happen before you can be resurrected? You've got to die. You have to die. You know, teacher asks a little kid in school, so how, how, you know, what do you got to do to be resurrected? And the little boy said, you got to be dead. Before you can be resurrected, you have to die. And Jesus died on the cross to pay that penalty for our sins, but then he was resurrected. And that shows us the victory over death. Next week, we're going to talk about that on Easter Sunday, about his resurrection. But it also brought, brings something else. It brings peace to us. Because number one, we know that we can be forgiven and our relationship restored with God, but we also see that there can be victory for us in resurrection too, through our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus brought peace and eternal life to us who will believe despite the fact that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that leads us to peace, and we receive that Holy Spirit, and it leads us to the best life we can have on this earth in the here and now, and eternal life in the future. So, maybe you didn't know, Jesus is the prophet spoken of. Jesus is the Savior spoken of. Jesus is the Messiah, King, spoken of, fulfilled all those prophecies in the Old Testament. And here's our connection. Here's what I want you to get to think about today as you leave here. The real matter at hand is who do you believe Jesus is? You know, you have to decide that for yourself. I can preach all day long and tell you who the Bible says Jesus is, but you have to make a decision in your own mind. Those people that Jesus saw when he rode in on that donkey, yeah, they were praising him. They were quoting scripture. They were saying, Hosanna in the highest. Save us. By the end of the week, many of those same people were saying, crucify him, crucify him. Because he didn't fit the bill for what they thought he should be. As I said, he came to be king of a spiritual kingdom, not a physical king that ruled and went to war. He came to save us all. Now you have to make your decision about that. Jim Henry is an author and a preacher. And Jim talks about back in the olden days, they used to have some movies and, and a lot of times in the movie you know there'd be this female movie star and she would receive a bouquet of flowers and it would say from your secret admirer and then the movie would go on and they'd try to figure out who the secret admirer was was it this guy was it that guy and eventually they would figure it out and they would go out on a date and they would fall in love and they would live get married and live happily ever after 
okay, there's a secret admirer for you, and his name is God. And he loves you tremendously. So much so that he wasn't sending you flowers. He sent his son Jesus, though he's sometimes called the Rose of Sharon. He sent Jesus down to this earth for you to show you how much he loved you. To let his own son die in your place on the cross. And that by placing your faith in him, you would know that you are restored into a loving relationship with the God of heaven. That's how much God loves you. And he asks you today to receive his son as the prophet, as the savior, as the Messiah King. And I hope you make the right decision. And I hope you're not like some of those people in Jerusalem that day that would yell, crucify him. But rather, you would be yelling today, Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for Jesus. What a tremendous life he lived. What a tremendous sacrifice he gave. And Father, he willingly went to the cross. The book of Hebrews says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because he knew what was coming. First of all, his resurrection. But secondly, the salvation of all who would believe. And so today we celebrate. And we think about this Jesus. And who he is. And how he fulfilled the prophecies made about him. And we see the evidence. And next week we'll talk about the living proof that Jesus is the one. We love you and praise you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.